Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. It is 8.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. Economic Indicators brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Vinny Del Dudice at the First Word Desk has a plethora of numbers. Plethora. A plethora. Retail sales, the producer price index both down. The headline on the retail sales report for March minus 0.3%, down 0.3%. Going into the report, economists had expected a 0.1% gain, so a negative number. Underlying figures with the retail sales, X-Autos, X-Autos and Gas, the control group all up a bit. The producer price index, a gauge of wholesale prices, down 0.1% in March, excluding food and energy, also down 0.1%. Year over year, we're looking at down point one as well on the PPI. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Dell Judice. Let's go back to New York. Now, Vinny, just a remarkable thank you for that important report. We do get a bond market reaction to your yield from 0. 0.7550. We go in a solid two beeps on that, 0. 0.7303. The 10-year, not the same move, but with the two-year, it's an abrupt single basis point uh, move off the enthusiasm we saw earlier. Mike, when you look at this data, and I know we're going to get to our esteemed guests, when you look at this data, does it tilt Atlanta GDP now to a negative statistic? Uh, that's hard to know. Um, it, it, it depends on uh, what the, they're using as comparisons. Fair. Okay. Um, because this report includes things that uh, are, are are measured other ways in the GDP right. numbers. Bow ties is one example. Yeah, bow ties yes, thank for you. one example. Yeah. Mark Zandi doesn't wear a bow tie. Well, he's not. Very often that I know of, but uh, in his I have uh, worn a bow tie in the past, maybe once. <laughs> maybe, once. but you didn't tie it. I know you're gay. <laughs> yeah, it's no, that, no. It's that James no, Bond book, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's chief economist at Moody's Analytics. I'm. Uh, you've had about as long to look at this as I have. Uh, just a, a few seconds. And what straight? What the, the first thing that struck me is when was the last time gasoline actually contributed to retail sales? Price change. Yeah, good point. Pushes good gasoline point, yeah. up nine tenths. But other than that, I don't see anything terrible in the report. But what it kind of looks like is that maybe it's just not additional good. I mean, uh, we have some up, some down, nothing, nothing awful. But, like, uh, maybe people didn't buy as much of stuff as as they might have otherwise. Yeah, it looks okay. I'm looking at the numbers now. It's up uh, two-tenths, excluding uh, vehicles, uh, maybe a tenth. Uh, X Auto and gas. So it's, you know, middling. It looks like they revised up a little bit, the January number, but I'm, you know, looking at it really, really quickly. But, you know, the other thing to keep in mind here is this is, uh, it doesn't account for price effects and pricing in the retail sector obviously has been very weak because of the strong dollar. And so, uh, on a real basis, this, uh, it's probably better. Uh, but, but, you know, it's kind of middling. Uh, retailing is okay, not great. Just, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Mike McKee, I just did a, a three, six, and 12-month analysis of the control group, X this, X that, X the other thing, and it's exactly as Dr. Zandi called it, middling. You know, you look at the convexity of the slopes, and it's just, it's just indeterminate. 
middling is perfect. Well, that raises the question, and this isn't a numerical analysis, but I guess it uh, it calls for just kind of your thoughts on why this is happening, Mark. Uh, what's with the American consumer that uh, they just don't they don't pull back, but they don't move forward? Well, uh, you know, I think uh, look at the total consumer spending pie, right? Retailing is uh, half of it. The other half is fine. Uh, spending on services is actually quite strong. So real consumer spending growth last year was over 3%, which is, you know, that's that's about as good as it gets and you can't expect much more. It's a little soft in the last year, beginning of this. Maybe the turmoil in financial markets has had some effect, uh, you know, the so-called wealth effect, uh, high-end is uh, seeing a little bit of softness because of the decline in stock prices, the volatility in stock prices. But, you know, broadly speaking, I think we'll get another really good year for overall consumer spending. Retailing Mm -hmm. is kind of lagging, uh, uh, and I would expect that to continue. But the service side, no problem. A lot of strong growth there. Okay. Mark, I want to dive into the debate du jour, which is Atlanta GDP now and now the New York Fed with a GDP now. Um, You're a legit pen-educated macroeconomist. Let's start with the idea, how did we get here to where major policy thinkers like Mark Zandi are worrying about GDP adjustment on a weekly or even by a major statistic basis? How bad is this drug? (laughs) Well, you know, we want a better sense of what's happening real time. Uh, It comes in handy when the economy isn't cooperating. I mean, think back. Uh, think back to January, February 2009. The whole world was evaporating, and we really, you know, we knew it was bad, but we didn't know nearly how bad. And so, if we had a better sense of that, I think the policy uh, response would have been better. Uh, so, you know, it's key to really have a good understanding going going on what's going on in real time. And you know, for for most people listening to this, really, you don't know what's going on in real time. Well, the answer is yes, because. You know, it's a big economy, a lot of moving parts, and trying to measure it's very, very difficult. So this is another attempt to try to get a sense of what's going on uh, at you know right right now in the current quarter. But having said that, uh, you know this is another imprecise representation of reality. Uh, you know, m- frankly, I think we're, we're much better served if we just focus on the number of jobs out there. That we can count a lot better than GDP. It's a very good point that uh, other people uh, have made recently is that uh, the jobs are much more easily measured than a lot of the things that go into these numbers. When we come back with Mark Zandi from uh, Moody's Analytics, we'll talk also uh, about prices. The PPI, Tom, comes in lower than forecast, down a tenth. And if you uh, look at the uh, core PPI, Mm -hmm. it's also down a tenth. Uh, We were expecting a rise. One of the things that knocked it down, Mark was talking about price adjustments, services which are now included in the PPI off. We can talk a little well, bit about that. We'll do that with Mark Zandi. Right now, a middling data report, uh, equities middling from 12 down to plus 9. The 10-year yield, 1.77%. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. About 39,000 Verizon landline and cable workers on the East Coast have walked off the job. The workers' latest contract expired in August, and so far the unions and management say negotiations have been unsuccessful. 
Verizon says it has trained thousands of non-union workers to fill in for the strikers. Flights have been canceled at Brussels Airport after Belgian air traffic controllers went on strike. The airport is trying to get back on its feet after last month's deadly terrorist bombings. According to a published report, the FBI paid professional hackers a one-time fee to crack the code to get into an iPhone used by one of the San Bernardino terrorists. The Washington Post reports the hackers were able to help avoid a security feature that would have erased all the data on the iPhone. FBI Director James Comey says he's glad to have the litigation behind him, but hopes the discussion continues about how to balance security and privacy. I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think it's the FBI's job to tell you what the answer is. The FBI's job is to say, hey, folks, the tools you're counting on us to use to keep you safe are less and less effective because of this collision. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stasha. All right, Mike, still early, but the number's not pretty for the Mets. A 187 team batting average. Travis Darno is hitting 105. Curtis Granderson, 074. Mets are 2-5 and five after losing a fourth straight home game. Miami scored 8th inning, won 2-1, and no decision for Noah Syndergaard, who struck out 12. Yankees won 3-2 at Toronto with four hitless innings of relief by the bullpen. Brian McCann homered 6th inning to tie the game. Yanks scored in the 7th to take the lead. The curtain comes down tonight in Los Angeles on the 20-year career of Kobe Bryant. It was asked how his emotions will be. We'll see Wednesday. You know, so far, I mean, I've been pretty... Um, pretty cool about everything. Been very thankful about everything. Been very happy about everything. I don't, it hasn't really hit me yet. So you know, we'll see. We'll see if it does. He won five championships, third leading scorer in NBA history. Well, that goes on in LA. The Warriors play Memphis, a Golden State victory. They finished 73 and nine, and Steph Curry will have led the greatest regular season ever. We're in the moment, enjoying the ride, and and obviously the goal is to win a championship. Um, that's what we're playing for, but we've put ourselves in a great position to end the season with a win and do something no team's done in history, so that's that's an amazing accomplishment. As for the Knicks, they finished with a nice round 50 losses after losing at Indiana 102-90. They'll drop the puck in Pittsburgh tonight to begin the Stanley Cup playoffs. Rangers and Penguins for the third year in a row, and the Blue Shirts have ended the Penguins' last two seasons, but Sidney Crosby and Pittsburgh finished the regular season going 14-2. and Rangers haven't lost in the opening round of the playoffs since 2011. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashauer. John, uh, thank you so much. Michael McKee, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I've got, I've got a family relation there, and, and i got to go with Pittsburgh. It's like an emotional thing. You are cold, grizzled, and chiseled. Who are you going with? I'm going with the Washington Capitals. Really? They I realize it it's front-running, but um, they are they built this team for the playoffs, so we shall see if they can pull it through. It begins tonight, 28 games max. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Fordham University, the Gabelli School of Business Executive MBA, top-ranked with a renowned professional network. Classes in Columbus Circle or Westchester. Learn more at fordham.edu slash EMBA. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Mark Spanith LLP, ranked among the top three forensic accounting firms in New York by the New York Law Journal for the sixth year in a row. Visit MarkSpanith.com. 
Sales at U.S. retailers unexpectedly fell in March. The three-tenth percent drop in purchases followed little change the prior month. Wholesale prices in the U.S. unexpectedly fell in March for a second month. The one-tenth percent drop in the producer price index followed a two-tenth percent decrease in February. J.P. Morgan Chase, the biggest U.S. lender by assets, posting first quarter profit that beat Wall Street estimates as the firm slashed bankers' pay and trading revenue declined less than most analysts predicted. Its shares are up 2.4 percent this morning. U.S. stock index futures also higher. S&P E-mini futures up nine points. Dow E-mini futures up 79. Nasdaq E-mini futures up 31. The DAX in Germany is up 2.1 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds. The yield 1.76 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 1.6 percent or 67 cents to 41.51 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 1.1 percent or $14 to 12.47 an ounce. The euro $1.1312 and the yen 109.16. And U.S. coal giant Peabody Energy filed for bankruptcy, the most powerful convulsion yet in an industry that's enduring the worst slump in decades. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thank you so much. Again, futures up 12. They backed up a little, up nine off retail. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Megan McArdle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. The release of the Panama Papers and the surprising dearth of American names among them has revealed a lot of public confusion about the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Evasion's hiding your income so you don't have to pay the tax you owe. It's illegal, immoral, and really stupid because the IRS is quite good at catching tax cheats. Avoidance just means arranging your affairs so you pay the least possible tax, which is what you do every time you deposit money into your 401k. It's unavoidable, unobjectionable, and about as American as apple pie. But when rich people do it, by buying tax-exempt municipal bonds, for example, Americans seem to have a sense that that's wrong. Unless you want to voluntarily stop taking your mortgage interest tax deduction, that's a hard principle to sustain. Of course, you can argue that Avoidance is a symptom of bad public policy. But if we want better public policy, we have to accept the trade-offs. Ending the tax-exempt status of municipal bonds, for example, would make it more expensive for local governments to borrow money. Ending the charitable deduction, another favorite of the rich, would badly hurt valued nonprofits from museums to churches. Nearly every loophole you can name is the side effect of something people like. If we want to have a less complicated, less progressive tax system, we can probably stamp out avoidance. But if we aren't willing to accept those trade-offs, we shouldn't complain about the inevitable gaming of the system we have. I'm Megan McCardle. For more View, go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Michael McKee, a major shout-out to our people working in finance. Bloomberg Top Live, T-O-P-L-I-V-E, is nothing short of fabulous. It is a running stream of the J.P. Morgan conference call right now, filled with all sorts of charts from at least five, six, seven, eight people, smart people piling into it. It's a great service. It's on the terminal, folks. You can't get it on your cell phone. I would argue it is the future of news coverage. It is It is just fabulous. There's no other way to put it. And here's the thing. It's... Unlike following something on Twitter, you can trust everything you're reading on yeah. it because it's done by Bloomberg reporters. Yeah, and Derek Dakin Campbell, among others, tell uh, Barack Harif on there as well. Mike, get us back to Mark Sandy. All right, Mark Sandy is a chief economist at Moody's Analytics, and we're talking about the numbers that were out this morning. We talked some about the retail sales figures, uh, PPI. Comes in disappointing. Total final demand, as they call it now, down a tenth of a percent. We thought it might be higher. One of the things 
pulling it down, Mark, uh, services. And we were talking about the strength of services just a few moments ago. Yeah, uh, usually service prices rise. I was taking a look at a little bit of the detail. It's kind of, kind of weird. Uh, financial services prices fell. Uh, if you want to rent a car, the price for that fell. So I don't know. I'm not trying to read a whole lot into it. Uh, maybe just chalk it up to some monthly volatility. But generally, uh, prices, uh, inflation remains low, and that's one reason when you have to take that, those retail sales numbers with that in, in account because, uh, of course, it doesn't account for uh, pricing the weak pricing. And so on a real basis, the retail sales numbers are stronger. And as you, uh, as, as everyone who listens to the show knows, uh, the producer price index doesn't automatically translate into consumer prices. Consumer prices, exactly. according to the CPI index, have been rising in recent months. Do we think that trend continues? I do. Uh, you're right. The uh, core uh, consumer price index, excluding food and energy, kind of underlying inflation is, I think it's now 2.3% year over year, and it's firming. And I think you've got a number of dynamics uh, supporting further uh, acceleration. Wage growth is picking up, uh, given the good job market, tightening labor market. You've got strong rent growth because the building is low relative to demand, and therefore vacancies falling, so it's driving mm. up rent. That's key. And then, of course, the other thing is healthcare inflation starting to pick up as the effects of Obamacare, the depressed uh, healthcare inflation, uh, are yeah. beginning to fade. And, of course, that's very labor intensive. And so as wages rise, that pushes up healthcare costs. So I think, yes, uh, inflation broadly is going to continue to push higher, more or less. Uh, Mark, you can do econ calculations of what the catch up is second, third, and fourth quarter this year to get back to the new normal from the horrific first quarter we're in right now. And it's export. I understand there's a lot of NX uh, noise within this. When does yeah. it happen? Is it is it a jump condition in this April with the Baltimore Orioles and the Chicago Cubs <laughs> in first place? Or is this something that we wait for, like, you know, Christmas shopping, December 10th? No, you know, we've got this residual seasonality problem. We're just not uh, the BEA, the, the keeper of the state, is not uh, able to – account for the seasonality as well uh, as uh, they need to. And so what that means is Q1 GDP is always on the soft side, but we get a bounce. Uh, Q2 uh, should be bigger than you'd expect, or Q3. So we'll, we'll get it back. And we'll end the year with uh, GDP growth roughly where it's been for the last five, six years of somewhere between 2 and 2.5%. Two and um, it wasn't where I was going to go, but i got to follow up on that by asking you what you think the reason is. The first quarter growth is generally so slow because until this first quarter, it was easy to blame it on the weather. Well, I, I do think we have measurement issues. Uh, you know that this resid- so-called residual seasonality issue is a real is real. I mean, every Q1 since the recession has been soft, and I think it's just we're having the the is having difficulty uh, catching it and. You know, as you know, even in the best of times, the GDP numbers get revised a lot. So, you know, somewhere between uh, between the time they first release the number and uh, three months later uh, when they uh, release the third revision, the average uh, revision is between one and one and a half percentage points. You saw that in Q, Q4, remember? Q4 was also came in initially very weak and was revised up. I would expect the same thing here. So I think there's you know, uh, more measurement issue here than not. And that's why I keep uh, hearkening back to the point, you know, focus on jobs. We can count those. I mean, focus on unemployment insurance claims. Those are a real count of people going to the unemployment insurance office. So if there was a problem in the economy, uh, we'd know it uh, from, from those numbers. The GDP numbers are 
you know, it's like a Picasso painting, you know, so it's very opaque. It's hard to read through and particularly quarter to quarter. So, that, uh, you know, I, I focus almost coming out of the labor market. Well, within that, what what are we going to see out of the labor market? I mean, what is the new Good normal, stuff. the terminal rate? I mean, is it over 200000 per month, non-firm well, payrolls? Yeah, no, I mean, we can't sustain that for very long. I mean, the working age population is going to grow in a typical time no more than 100000 per month. So with unemployment at five, with uh, underemployment uh, falling very rapidly and coming close to, you know, anything you consider to be full employment, uh, we're going to see a combination of two things happen over the next year or two. One is wage growth will accelerate, and that will become more obvious. And the second thing is job growth will slow. Just by definition, we're not going to be able to fill those record open uh, positions that are out there. So uh, the job market says screaming, you know, the economy is in good shape. And I think that's more the reality of what's going on in the GDP numbers, where if you looked at them and didn't put them into context, you'd say the economy is, okay. you know, really struggling here, but it's not. Mark, thank you so much. Mark Zandi with Moody's uh, giving us the economic brief this morning. Uh, Mike McKee, uh, sell side's always important. And Rich Greenfield gets a lot of play because it's stuff in our living room. He adjusts on Netflix. I just canceled two Netflix accounts, but I'm not the public. I, I, he's more optimistic. He increases his price target up 40%, $150 is a big move, his price target. This year's sort of soggy but it all clicks in next year. He's raised substantially his subscri- subscriber growth globally for next year. Simply put, their global strategy is going to work. Well, we talked about this a couple of days yeah. ago, Netflix raising prices, which normally leads a lot of people to cancel their subscriptions, but the feeling seems to be that they will right. add more people around the world than they lose in the United States. Here's the, the, uh, the headline for uh, uh, a sentence from Rich Greenfield, BTIG, we're now forecasting nearly 20 million net streaming sub-ads this year. That's an increase. We still believe Netflix can reach 5 million sub-ads domestically this year. Is John Tucker's family watches 14 movies on a given weekend. Uh, may I say that I just yesterday cut the cable Did and you? Uh, love it. Yeah. I don't watch it anymore. Do you watch Netflix? Uh, I can get it. Yeah, I just, you know, I've been just streaming stuff. Uh, I'm a big geek with PBS specials and sort of so forth. So it, It's fascinating to me where we're going. Rich Greenfield, optimistic on Netflix. We'll have to get him on with BT. IG, thanks to Mark Zandi on the American economy. Retail, a little soggy. Futures go up 12, up 10. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance. <laughs> 